I'm Greg Euland with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today we're in our brand new studio. Uh, really excited to share it with everybody. The, the team did a great job putting it together. Uh, today I get to sit down with Brad Holton, uh, founder of Proton Technologies. Uh, Brad knows his stuff when it comes to dealership IT and cybersecurity. He's been doing this for a long time, so really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for, uh, for flying in and, and sitting down and talking. Sure. Thanks for having me here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brad, recently Reynolds acquired Proton. Um, we're very excited about it. I think you are as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Should be should be a great fit. But uh, to start, can you just give a little background? Um, you know, what do you do at Proton? Where are you guys headed? Um, where do you sure. see the future? So, uh, you know, we manage IT, we manage cybersecurity, uh, just about anything related to technology for a dealership. Um, we started uh, about 2014. Uh, we started off, you know, just kind of doing that that low-level IT support that every dealer needs, you know, fixing printers and troubleshooting networks and making sure the PCs work. And over time, we kind of evolved and realized that it's not just, you know, IT, but cybersecurity is really, you know, what dealers are either interested in or what they should be interested in. Uh, so we started evolving and really growing the company, and over the last few years, we've shifted from, uh, you know, focusing on, on kind of that everyday IT, which we still do. We've got a great team that does that, but really building out our cybersecurity platform uh, because that's what dealers are really, you know, getting hit with, you know, every single day. And, you know, focusing on keeping ransomware out and, you know, keeping things operational and kind of, uh, you know, protecting from you know, loss of wire transfers and just all sorts of crazy stuff that dealers deal with every day. So we kind of, you know, started really focusing on that and building that out. And that's been quite a journey for us in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've just been... You know, perfecting that and becoming a, you know as best we can at that, and, and growing the company, and you know, it's, it's been an insane journey. You know, we've been averaging probably thirty to forty percent growth each year in the last couple of years. Yeah, um, that's crazy. So. I mean, that's crazy growth, and and that's where I think we're most excited from a Reynolds perspective is is being able to help scale a little bit, right, with sure. our footprint and and our feet on the street, and being able to to grow even faster, right. I mean, the, yeah. the demand is clearly there, and. Um, it, it's something that we're excited about too. Oh, one of the things that we really kind of, you know, just got really excited about right out the gate, it was, was meeting with the security team here and saying, okay, you guys already have a cybersecurity team that is doing a phenomenal job of, of really kind of protecting the DMS data and the customer data. Uh, and we want to take that and then take our cyber team and put them together. And it's crazy when you get guys that do that for a living together, right? Because, I mean, you know, the stuff that we all talk about is, like, stuff nobody else would ever talk about, at a, you know, at a cocktail party or something. It doesn't right. happen, right? But everybody gets excited, and, you know, they're running, you know, sandbox environments and ways of testing this and testing that and, you know, trying to get our hands on the latest things that hackers are using and then figuring out how to reverse engineer it and how to protect against it. So uh, we've really enjoyed kind of putting our cyber teams together just in the last few weeks that we've been working together Yeah, and seeing the energy that comes out of, you know, minds talking about different ways of approaching, uh, you know, problems and finding solutions. That's been yeah. a lot of fun. That is fun. Well, and, and yeah, you get like-minded people together. It's amazing what can happen. And, and that's one of the things too, and especially in the dealer world, but I think just in the business world in general, especially a smaller business, IT and cybersecurity, it's not, it's not one of those things that is always present and top of mind, right? It's yeah. usually... Something happens to you, something happens to a buddy, something breaks, there's something that triggers it to, to be top of mind. It's one of those things where you set it up, you set it, you forget it, and then, oh, you know, when, yeah. when something goes down, you make a phone call, or if, heaven forbid, you know, there's some sort of cyber incident, then you freak out and figure out what to do. Yep. Um, so it's it's been a pretty reactive environment, but with, you know, today, and especially the FTC safeguards, rule amendments, compliance deadlines coming up in December, it's put kind of a shot clock on, oh, yeah. hey, we got to get some of these things in place and to make sure that, that things are are there to protect, I mean, the business for sure, but also protect the consumer data, right? That's the, the essence behind these, uh, the, the 
safeguards rule and, and the amendments sure. coming in. Um, so with that, I, I'm assuming some of that, is, especially this year, has driven some of that growth okay. for you. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, the, the two things that are really driving our growth right now are the FTC safeguards rule from you know October 27th last year, yep. rolled out all the new regulations, and you know reality is that most dealers did not have much of any of that in place. Uh, and certainly not, you know, over 50% of it. I mean, you know, very, very few dealers had most of that in place. Well, and when the safeguards rule first came out, you know, it was it was really high level. It provided good guidance, but and it was 20 years ago. Sure. Um, but it provided good guidance, but there wasn't a lot of specificity to exactly. it. And, and so these amendments have really provided some of that. They have. And they've gotten very specific on, you know, things like vulnerability scans and penetration testing and, you know, multi-factor authentication and all those those buzzwords that everybody doesn't know what they mean. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's put teeth to that. It's still nebulous enough that there's a lot of, you know, kind of questions and, and trying to figure out exactly what qualifies for, you know, protection in certain situations. But kind of having that come out and then at the same time, uh, dealers are getting hit by cyber insurance premium yeah. adjustments that are upwards of 100 to 300 percent annually. I That's mean, crazy. we're seeing 300 percent year over year adjustments. Uh, I mean, it's it's insane amount of, you know, cash that people are having outlay just to get insurance. And of course, right. the OEMs are starting to require it too. So we're seeing a lot of motivation, you know, about cyber focused on Number one, being able to even get insurance, and then number two, being able to actually get decent premiums. Yeah, uh, because it's a huge difference. You know, if you right. don't have all the stuff that Safeguards requires, it's kind of you know very similar line to what the, the insurance companies are requiring. And so, if you don't have those pieces in place, you're either not getting insurance, or you're getting very heavily rated insurance. I mean, right. upwards of two hundred times the premium, or two hundred percent of the premium. So, kind of going through that exercise and say, okay, this is what's going to get us Safeguard compliant, and this is what's going to get our insurance company happy. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you bring the insurance premium down, and then you wind up, you know, getting FTC compliant about the same time just by doing all those different things. Yeah, yeah. So when you think about the insurance, that's an interesting one, kind of a little rabbit hole to go down because it's, um, you know, it seemed like at least, and you're you're much closer to it than I am, but a lot of the providers and even the big insurance providers started getting into this space of cyber insurance. Um, and then ended up kind of getting burned in a lot of cases. Sure. They weren't charging enough for premiums. And, you know, in the cases of ransomware, as an example, the, the asks were so high. And then these insurance companies were losing money on these these policies. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. Five or six years ago, everybody started getting into the space. And the application was one page. You know, yeah. do you have a dealership? Yes. Do you make money? Yes. What's your address? Yes. Can you write a check? Yes. Okay. You check all those boxes, you're done. That's it. Uh, and as a result, you know, you look back at... Uh, kind of a big shift, I think, was the pipeline, the Colonial Pipeline, when that yep. happened, you know, and, and there was a massive outlay of that. Uh, the meat plant happened right after that as well. And those two things kind of caused a paradigm shift in underwriting thought process within the dealership or uh, within the insurance space. So now we started seeing everybody shift going, wait a minute, we've completely misjudged our exposure here. Right. Completely misjudged our risk. And as a result, you're right, they're losing their, you know, losing their butts on, on you know, exposure there. Yeah. So now they've come back and they've gone exactly the 100%, 200%, 300% the opposite direction. Yeah. Now they're charging massive premiums to try to, you know, either make that back or to protect themselves, um, you know, from exposure that they don't understand. Right. Um, right. So it's definitely a different world now. Now the application, by the way, for insurance is upwards of six, seven, eight pages. Yeah. Um, totally different experience. So how does, all right, so I'm a dealership and I either need to get this because my OEM says I do, um, or it's just kind of a good idea because uh, of all the things going on out there. Um, that six, seven page application, <laughs> who handles it? Like what? Because if, if, I'm, if I'm a business owner and I get that, 
It's like, um, I don't know how to answer yeah, these exactly. questions. Nobody ever does. Like we, we actually have a dedicated person. That's, that's most of their job is just answering those every single week. Oh, really? Our clients get them. They send them into us. We go through. We do the whole audit. We say, okay, here's everything you, you know we've got in place. Here's the things that we're you know putting in place right now, and, and here's where you're at on everything. Boom, here you go. They send it back. But yeah, to your point, you know, if you don't have you know a team in place that, that already has all these things done, and this insurance document shows up and you don't know where to begin. I mean, right. even understanding the language. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we'll take it to their their quote in-house IT guy who's, you know, actually the service manager or the service manager's brother. Right. You know, that also does, you know, he's a porter as well, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. Uh, and they try to fill it out and it just doesn't, you know, and then they, they can't get insurance. Right. And so then they reach out and say, okay, you know, how do we do this? What do we, where, where do we start? And, and we have to have that conversation and say, okay, let's start from scratch. You know, you don't have any basic security structure in place. You don't have any protection of anything. Let's you know, let's start with the basic stuff and build you up from there, and then get your environment hard, and then we can qualify for you know insurance and and even you know well-rated insurance. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I don't know if this is going to be boring for everybody listening or not, but let's dig into just a little bit, maybe at a higher level. But what are those those basic requirements? So you know, I'm I'm not an IT expert. Like I. I know enough to at least have a conversation and, and be a little bit dangerous. But um, if you asked me to set up a network and then secure that network, um, you'd, you'd be in trouble. So, <laughs> so uh, where what are the pieces to that? Right when you when you go in again, not not in super technical terms, right. but you go in, you want to set up a, a IT infrastructure, connect everything, and then protect it. What are what are those layers? What are those pieces? So you know, there's a couple different approaches. One of them is focused on on actual data kind of privacy, right? And it's uh, kind of protecting the data. There's another one that's focused on just hardening uh, the overall network. And then the last piece is kind of reporting and, and auditing and, you know, recording and, and verifying what you've done. So there's there's things like, you know, having an incident response plan and a written information security plan, uh, you know, that, that kind of documents everything you have done. All right. So that's, that's a compliance piece. It's an in-house guy or, you know, some IT professional who's going to kind of gather that data and report back. You've got so are there are there like templates out there that somebody can grab that? I mean, maybe that's not the right way to do it. Well, but again, yeah. thinking about if I'm going to start from scratch, I don't I don't know. It just seems like so it is pretty hard to start from scratch. Right. I guess there are templates out there, and there are compliance companies that that's that's what they've sprung up to do. Um, you know that they can kind of help with uh, building out you know all those modules, mm-hmm. and so they'll say, okay, here's all the pre-fillable templates, and you can fill these in and you know go okay. with that. Um, so that's that's kind of that piece, and that's that one people struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pieces of that is vendor assessments. Okay. So you have to send an assessment out to every single one of your vendors that touches your data or touches your network, mm-hmm. and get them to reply back, and get them to do a security audit. Right. And dealers are struggling with that left and right. Um, struggling to send it out or struggling to get it back? Yes. Okay. But, <laughs> getting getting someone internally, right? I mean, who at your dealership is going to have time to step up and say, okay, I'm now going to spend 20 hours a week you know, dealing with safeguard stuff right. for the foreseeable four months ahead of me, right? Nobody's got that bandwidth. Right. So is it falling on the controller? Is it falling on the CFO? You know, if you're a small group, you don't have a CFO. Sure. You know, it's not your internet manager. I mean, even your IT manager might not even understand all this yeah. stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite a struggle there to even identify who internally is going to take ownership. For instance, you know, the language requires you to have a qualified individual mm-hmm. that is, you know, called your qualified individual. Right. Now, the original language in the FTC uh, requirements was going to have a CISO, was going to be a, a security you know, um, person who, who actually has some certifications and requirements, and all that got watered down in the final version. Right. So the final version says, you know, qualified individual with mm-hmm. no definition whatsoever of qualified. Yeah, no so certification, no. It's... Is that fog a mirror? Is that, you know, what, what's a qualified? Yeah. So we've kind of defined a qualified individual as the person within the dealership 
who is going to take responsibility for making sure that all of the, uh, you know, the issues are done. Doesn't necessarily understand each piece of it, but can go to a vendor or can go to, you know, someone else they're going to use internally or however they're going to do this mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is the requirement. Have we met this and how have we done it? And be able to kind of, you know, at least, you know, sit down and have an intelligent conversation, an auditor who shows up and says, okay, yep. this is what we've done. And this is the person or the vendor that we've used to do this piece of it. So that's, you know, there's a lot of pieces that are kind of nebulous there that we've had to kind of work through and figure out. Yeah. Um, you know, the other pieces are things like, you know, uh, hardening the actual environment itself, you know, multi-factor authentication. Yep. Um, even that's a little nebulous because it says multi-factor to an information system that contains personally identifying information. Right. Well, you know, if you've got a sales PC on the, on the sales floor, it doesn't have any personal information in it. We're not using it for that. Does it need to be hardened? Right. It's part of the network. Right. Um, you know, if the DMS and the CRM and all the other tools you're using, if they all have um, uh, MFA on them, multi-factor right. authentication, do you need to have it on the PC itself because all the data is actually going into the third parties? Right. So there's, you know, there's all sorts of kind of nebulous things we're having to work through. And mm -hmm. NADA has been a great partner in kind of going back to the FTC and say, what if we, you know, what if we did this? Can we get a ruling right. that this meets the standards or, you know, what if we do this? Um, so there's, there's still a lot of things that people are working through trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we've, you know, from a relative perspective, we've been involved in those conversations too. And it's been, it has been a great dialogue as an industry. You know, everybody's just trying to work together to figure it out because it is, you know, these regulations come out and you say, okay, you got 12 months to, to be compliant. It's like, all right, well, what, what exactly is compliant? And, uh, and what is, what is the, you know, what's the penalty of non-compliance versus sure. compliance right now? Uh, you know. It's kind of a, a question of dealers. We get, we get dealers to say, you know, that's the least of my worries right now. I'm not worried about the FTC. And then it comes back and says, well, wait a minute, what about your insurance? Okay, I am worried about that. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, when we do insurance, we're going to accomplish FTC yeah. for the most part. You mm -hmm. know, there's some things that don't exactly line up, but, you know, we can kind of do all this at the same time and make it fairly pain-free to become FTC compliant because you're actually getting all the standards required to get your insurance rated well. Yeah. So where are you seeing the biggest gaps between what dealers have today in place and what they need, whether it's for insurance requirements or for the FTC safeguards rule amendments? What what are the areas that you see them honing in on? Or maybe when you come in or your team comes in, where are the biggest gaps? Uh, you know, well, the biggest gaps that we focus on and that we're, you know, kind of immediately just alarmed about when we walk into a dealership that's a brand new opportunity uh, is is the low hanging low level stuff that's not even being done. Okay. You know, we'll walk in and see computers that are running Windows Seven that haven't had any kind of you know security support in three years. Right. Um, you know, they don't have antivirus, or they have legacy antivirus that doesn't really work against anything modern. That's the part um, that amazes me. So when you get into this antivirus software and just endpoint protection in general, so putting something on a PC or on a phone or, or whatever, um, how quickly that stuff changes and becomes obsolete. Yeah, yeah, the updates are just, it's almost constant. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, any of the brands that existed, you know, I, I can't name brands, but just stuff that was common five, seven years ago yeah. does absolutely nothing for any of the current stuff. And, and the reason why, at a very high level, is that the way antivirus typically works is it looks at a database and it looks at a file you're downloading and it looks at the signature of the file and it says, you know, I've seen this before because it's in my master database. That's a bad guy. I'm going to block it. That's typically what antivirus does and not much more. Mm -hmm. The problem is that now the, the bad, bad guys, for lack of a better word, the hackers, are generating files on demand. So when you go to click a download link, it actually generates the file, adds a little bit of content to it, maybe changes one digit somewhere in a file. So the signature is brand new. It's never been seen before. So when you download it, your, your antivirus, that's traditional legacy version, has never seen that file before. Mm -hmm. Every single file becomes a zero-day exploit. And as a result, it gets past antivirus all day long. 
So the modern stuff uh, called endpoint detection or managed detection response, it uses a totally different process called heuristic modeling okay. that uh, I don't want to get too deep. <laughs> uh, it basically injects itself into everything so it can see literally what's going on. And then we can see every single computer simultaneously. So you can see that you know one computer is attacking another computer on the network or scanning in the network or doing things it shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a much more kind of broad, holistic approach to the environment and able to kind of see things that are activities that shouldn't be happening, regardless of whether a file is brand new or not. So hmm. uh, ha- having tools like that in right. place, we're not seeing much of that. You know, yeah. walking in and, and just seeing, you know, like we, we did a, a security audit. I flew into a, a, a flew across the country, did a it was going to be a cybersecurity audit, and I was done in seven minutes. Oh. And, I mean, I walked in, I sat down, I said, just take me to a computer that's not being used. And I sat down to Windows 7 computer with no security at all, no password on it, no, you know, I said, oh, let's just try one more. Just take me to another computer that's not being used. And we take another one. It's Windows 10, but it's not much better. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm done. You know, I've been here seven minutes, and you guys don't even have, like, the first ten things I would audit. You don't have any of them. Yeah. So there's not much point in me spending a whole lot of time here writing a big report because mm-hmm. this is just pointless. So they signed up, and we started, you know, Kind of getting getting the basics done and then building a you know platform on top of that to get yeah. to getting them you know ninety nine percent hardened up. Yeah. Um, so so once you have that foundation, then what are the next pieces? So if you're honing in and, and you go into a store and it's like you got nothing, right? Uh, you get the you get the nothing to something. So, then you know, then our, what's next? Our biggest concerns in the security world, like the big three events that are going to take a dealership uh, into a really bad place. It's going to be a data breach where we're going to lose customer data. And we're going to have to, you know, deal with the fact that we've lost customer data. We're going to have to go out and inform all the consumers. Uh, we're going to have to deal with legal issues. We're going to have to buy credit monitoring software. I mean, all that stuff. That's that's number one. Mm-hmm. So we want to protect against that. Uh, second is ransomware and shutting down the entire dealership, right? That's the one that terrifies me when I hear about that. It it's just, I mean, you have no idea how many times this happens. It's it's like the, the loudest secret you could possibly have <laughs> in the dealership world, right? I mean, everybody goes to 20 groups. Everybody knows this happens every single week, but nobody ever talks about it. But yeah. I promise you, our phone rings every week yeah. with some, you know, some dealer group that's been referred to us or some dealer that we already have that has a buddy that's, you know, under ransomware attack right now. It's just constant. So you know, that's the big second one. And the third one is wire transfers, uh, just getting access to, you know, phishing and getting into systems and getting information yeah. and, and getting illicit funds. So those are the three things that we really focus on. FTC, if you do all of this, you're going to get mm-hmm. pretty close on the FTC. Then you'll just have to tack on like vendor assessments and written information security plans and incident response plans. But yeah. if you get kind of all these other things knocked out, you've kind of hit most of the FTC stuff. Okay. So that's that's the thing we come in. We focus on ransomware protection first. Let's get secure. Let's get the managed detection response. Let's get you know some SIM solution in. We're monitoring everything. We're getting alerts. Uh, let's get backups in place, right? So if something does happen, we've got really good backups of everything. So it's not that big a deal. We can always restore from backup. Right. Um, you know, let's get the data breach locked down to make sure that there's no way anybody's getting in to get access to our information. And then, you know, on the wire side, it's it's protecting everything as best we could, but it's also doing a lot of business kind of process consulting and saying, okay, guys, you know, if someone sends you an email that you've been buying cars from for 10 years, right, and they say, you know what, we're going to change our wire instructions, and here's the new wire account, you know, for those it's 10 cars you're buying from us right now, and your person doesn't stop and go, wait a minute. I've been wiring for 10 years to this account. Now I'm getting an email that says to wire here. How do I handle this, right? You stop, you call the dealership, you talk to the person you know, you don't call the number on the email, you don't go by the email, you verify in three or four different ways. You know, because it's a big thing, right? We're yeah. changing where we're sending money. Well, and it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's not, I mean, we're not talking about 20 bucks. You would right? be amazed. <laughs> you would be absolutely amazed how many times we get calls where, you know, or we get to be brought in as, you know, kind of consultants on a legal case where, you know, someone has just gotten an email that changes the wire instructions. 
we had one one group up in oh, it's a single kind of high-end store uh, that that got two different emails the same day to change wire instructions, and they'd been wiring funds out to these two different you know ones they were buying from for ten years. Yeah, and they just changed the account and wired off eight hundred thousand dollars to a hacker. Um, so you know, consulting business processes and financial yeah. controls. And then kind of hardening up the environment and preparing for the worst to make sure we don't have to deal with the worst. Sure. Well, and that's one of the, um, you know, mentioning kind of consulting and that sort of thing. Um, employee education is one of the requirements in, in the safeguards rule amendment. So um, that's one where, you know, there's and the, the struggle with that is there's not a cut and dry you know, do this, don't do this. There's, there's no specific playbook for every scenario because it's sure. changing constantly. But, you know, at Reynolds, like we as employees go through kind of a, tra- a series of training classes around all the different types of cyber attacks and how to handle things and what to do and what not to do. And um, so that that's a part of what dealerships need to be able to Absolutely. offer to their employees as well. And we do find out it changes behavior over time. I mean, yeah. it really irritates them. I got to be perfectly honest. <laughs> right? You know, you get service advisors that are like, oh, you know, I can't believe I have to, you know, go to this training. Mm-hmm. And it's like 20 minutes. It's like, come on, dude, 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And, you know, then we send phishing attacks and simulated phishing emails. And, you know, they'll click on it and say, you know, you just clicked on, you're going to log into your Bank of America, you know, to change your password. Guess what? You don't even have a Bank of America account. Why are you clicking on this, right? Yep. You don't even have a Bank of America. So you'd be amazed what people will click on, you know, just because they're busy, they're not paying attention. And that's mm-hmm. what the scammers are expecting. You know, we um, we actually had a dealer group a while back ask us to do a, a very focused phishing, simulated phishing attack mm-hmm. on their dealership group and to make it automotive specific. Uh, so they actually were not a Reynolds client. They were using one of these other competitors. Sure. And so we simulated the competitors perfectly. And we sent out an email to them, and we didn't tell them when it was coming. We didn't tell them anything about it. But we had told them that in order for their DMS to continue working, they had to log in and up, accept the new terms and conditions, or their DMS was going to stop working in seven days. Yep. So we called the uh, controller 10 a.m. the morning we'd set it and said, you know, how's your day going? He's like, oh, man. He said, we're having to go around to the dealership and get everybody to sign into this thing so the DMS doesn't stop working in seven days. So all we were doing was capturing the usernames that were logged in and destroying the passwords, and we sent them back a spreadsheet, we had like 70% of the, de- of the dealership gave us their username and password of their DMS. Wow. So, I mean, we had so many Easter eggs in the email that you should, I mean, we had things to typos, we had misspellings, the, the website wasn't secure. I mean, there's all sorts of things that if you just stopped and looked at it, you said, right. you know, this doesn't look right. Yeah. Nobody stopped. Nobody figured it out. Yeah. And it's just that it's that, that constant busy, right? It's that constant grind. It's, and and, it's absolutely. and honestly, when you think about a dealership, any retail establishment, but everybody's busy, right? I mean, you, you get in in the morning until the time you go home, there's not a lot of sitting around twiddling your thumbs, right? You're, sure. you're, you're, it's a retail environment. You got customers in front of you, you're running a business. Um, so, you know, frankly, it's, it's kind of a good target for great those target. types of attacks it's, because it's people are just, target. you're just distracted all the time. You're busy all the time. So trying to, and everything is a fire drill, right? In our industry, we're so ingrained in like 30 days, get it done, go, 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 which makes it really fun and really exciting. But it also makes it difficult to, to stop and pull back for a second and, and to think through things. Yeah. Um, One of the biggest things we push on on our clients is just to stop and ask a question, right? If mm-hmm. something doesn't feel right, something doesn't look right, if you notice any little thing that's off, you know, send it to us, send it to, you know, bring somebody else over to look at it. Just, just take an extra couple seconds, extra 30 seconds and, and, and you know, assess what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's easy to, to kind of stop those things before they happen. But once they happen, and it is hard to put toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. I mean, you know, you create this kind of chain of reaction that, you know, just, just gets, starts running. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's, 
it's uh it's scary it really is it's tough um well, Brett, what else? Any other uh, any other experiences that you've had that uh, that stand out to you? So, you know, going going taking a step back, right? We talked a little bit about what we got to do, and this stuff can be somber and um, not all that entertaining. You know, it's a little little scary, honestly. Sure. Um, any experiences that you've went through with a dealer, kind of maybe be you know side by side with them, um, just something uh, that know, might be an interesting it's story. So we we did I did a presentation at NAD in Vegas, uh, and it was six stories of cybercrime. Mm-hmm. And I had to turn the presentation in in like June in order to, you know, the presentation wasn't until right. what, February, you know, the next year, but it had to be turned in by June. So I get it all turned in for legal review. And by the time I get to Vegas, I've got six better stories than the six that I've already turned in. Right. So right. I can't talk about those. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many different types of attacks we see on a regular basis, uh, how many things we get, you know, brought into. Um, we get, I mean, just calls constantly with dealers that are in crisis and, you know, um, we, we did one you know, a couple of years ago. They got a lot of press. It was a, a Rigo Auto Group down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and that one, we're, we're able to talk about that. That's probably out of the 100 plus we've done. That's the only one we're able to talk about because uh, the owner at the time, Jim Arrigo, was very gracious and kind of wanting to make this a, um, you know, an experience that everybody else would learn from. He's like, you know, this is what I went through. Yeah. He was very open about it. Uh, and, you know, to tell you what they did go through when... Uh, he got a, uh, I guess we had to go check email on a Monday morning. I think mm-hmm. it was like December 9th of 2019 and just couldn't get his email. And that's was kind of how it started. And, and they finally realized that every single thing was encrypted. I mean, everything, 450 devices, servers. I mean, just a total meltdown. Uh, they could not perform any business function at all in the dealership and wouldn't be able to for, you know, probably at least a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, I mean, we wound up shipping, you know, 150 PCs overnight, uh, trying to get in and, and the hackers are still in there like you know it's kind of almost like this really weird almost like a video game is, is the way hmm. I explain it yeah. where we're in these systems and we're trying to isolate them and figure out what backdoors have been put in and you know get things at least functional mm-hmm. uh, and you know there's, there's you see other users that are logged in that aren't us and it's not dealership employees and we can tell you know we're shutting down you know external access to the internet but then it's in a data center so we still have to keep some access up right and, you know, you start to go in and you just see all these different things that are left behind. And it's, you know, sometimes it's better to just blow everything out and just wipe the whole environment, wipe the whole network, everything, and start over. Other times, you know, we try to at least, just for the speed of time, right. you know, to get it contained, get it constrained so that we're secure and we can, you know, perform business functions. And then start, you know, kind of wiping and reloading things and, and whatnot. But um, kind of go into that with them and, you know, watching how simple it was. It was just an email that a guy clicked on right. that he thought was an email from his coworker. It wasn't. And it just ran a little tool and it actually engineered him. It was social engineering in a document that walks him through defeating the t- security tools that they had in Word. It literally says, hey, in order to read this, you need to click here, here, and here. So he goes and he clicks and he turns off the security tools, which then allows the macro to run, which then downloads the you know, the malware and, and starts the attack and goes from there. Um, so it's, it's really amazing to kind of you know go through those experiences and, and sit up and talk to dealers about it. Yeah. And, you know, I used to do very technical presentations uh, at 20 groups and, sure. you know, NAD events and everybody's eyes would just glass over and they would say, oh, you know, I don't care. And now I just, I just literally pull up a chair and I tell stories. Yeah. And, you know, everybody relates to it because it's, I mean, this is happening every single week. Well, yeah, either you've gone through it or your buddy's gone through it or somebody that, that you know, even kind of at a distance has gone through it and it's it is it's scary it really is so um 
anyhow, getting a little bit back on track, you know, definitely uh, appreciate you sitting down. Um, what, what haven't we talked about today that we should? Anything else you want to you want to hit on or you want to cover? Um, we we chat. Uh, I mean, you know, safeguards is coming up December, yep. um, so you know it's something everybody needs to get focused on. Yep. Um, and you know, if you haven't done an insurance renewal in the last uh, you know six months, then you're going to have a rude awakening when that comes out as well. Yep. Um, so you know, if you don't have a security focus in your dealership. You've got to get one quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, and IT is not the same as, as cybersecurity. Totally different mindsets. You know, we say that IT guys are keeping the engine running, keeping the printers working, internet up, you know, DMS working, things like that. Yep. Cybersecurity guys are keeping the door shut. All right, we're focused on you know hardening the environment, making sure nobody's getting in from the outside, monitoring everything twenty four seven. So if somebody does get in, we see it in real time, mm-hmm. and we're able to stop it within you know an hour. Versus, you know, getting into all the systems and becoming a, you know, a weeks long process. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. But I mean, they're still close cousins, right? I mean, you need you need they good, are, good dialogue, good communication. You've got to have IT to do cyber, right? You can't do cyber without IT. That's you've got to have a good platform. Whether it's an internal team, whether it's an external team, you've got to have, you know, you got to have that. But there's very few dealerships out there, uh, with the exception of maybe some of the publics and the really large ones that can afford to put a cybersecurity team in place. I mean, just just penetration testing and external vulnerability scanning and internal vulnerability scanning, patching, you know, all the different things that go in and monitoring 24-7, that's an external function. Yeah. Uh, unless you've just got, you know, a multi-million dollar budget that you can spend on, on your internal stuff. Yeah. Um, so getting dealers to understand that, you know, just because you have an IT guy doesn't mean you're even anywhere close to being FTC compliant. Or to even being secure from you know from a cyber breach. Yeah, and that goes to your point. Yeah, and that goes to your point earlier too about just changing so rapidly, right? I mean, it's just every day there's something new. Every day there's yep. something new. So uh, being able to have the bandwidth to sure. to constantly test and constantly figure things yeah, out. We work with a ton of dealers that have an in-house IT guy, or even you know upwards of six or eight guys, and they do all the IT and we do all the cyber. And it's because we've got a team that's focused on that, right? And yep. there's no way to your point that their IT guys have the time to go out and to educate themselves on the latest malware attacks and, you know, the latest ways people are getting in and, and the latest social engineering tricks. And, yeah. You know, our guys do. That's what we do. Yep. So. No, good point. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining. Sure. Uh, Brad Holton, Proton Technologies. Love uh, having you as a part of the Reynolds family. Excited for great things to come. Me too. Uh, you know, obviously, if you need anything, don't hesitate to ask uh, me or anybody else. I, I might not be the best to uh, offer offer yeah, um, uh, install help. I was but say, uh, I put you to work in the <laughs> next week. Well, no, I appreciate you sitting down. It's uh, it's been great to chat as always. So, um, and Brad will actually be joining us in a uh, Q and A roundtable uh, here in September that we're putting together with with him and other industry experts uh, to talk about the safeguards rule and to talk about IT in dealerships and cybersecurity. So make sure to uh, to tune in for that. And also, we're we're taking dealership questions. So if you have any questions that you would want addressed or answered during that event, uh, please feel free to to email us. Um, you can email me directly at Gregory underscore Uland at RayRay.com. Uh, feel free to uh, send us a direct message on any social channels too. Uh, thanks so much for, for watching and have a great day. Thank you.